The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, your iPhones, uh, Samsungs, who are we's, whatever you're working with, amen. Just This is my Bible. <laughs> I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Well, we started a series uh, last week talking about why do bad things happen to good people. Amen. And so last week uh, we found out that there are several reasons why bad things happen in life. Uh, There are several reasons why bad things happen to good people. You know, I was just chilling at home, minding my own business, and stuff started to happen, you know. We found out that there are so many reasons that bad things happen in life, and none of those reasons is God. So that's our compass. That's where we are starting off. And, uh, you know, there are several uh, different uh, uh, doctrinal beliefs in the church today. And uh, one of the most predominant beliefs in the church today is what I like to call the extreme sovereignty. Uh, sovereignty uh, worldview on, 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 you know, the nature of God. And the extreme uh, sovereignty of God view says this. It says that God is in omni-control of everything. It says God controls every little thing uh, that happens uh, in your life. Uh, they also call it Calvinism. That's what they call it. And then there are those who in 2020 are of the same view, but they've realized that they can't really refute the fact that God has given to mankind uh, something called free will, a freedom to choose. You know, in fact, I went uh, for lunch with one of those Calvinist guys the other day. And, um, you know, he, I mean, he strongly believes that God controls every single thing that happens. And he even told me, he said, free will is a fallacy. It's, it's, it's wrong uh, theology. Free will doesn't exist. And then what uh, 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 caught my attention was that when we were sitting there, you know, having breakfast, I mean, he looked at the menu and he was meticulous in terms of the choices that he was making on the kind of breakfast you wanted to have. I mean, the brother started to say that I want my eggs sunny side up. And for the toast, I don't want a white, I want it uh, brown. And then I'm going to, I'm going to put some butter on it and I'm going to put some, I mean, he was meticulous in terms of what he wanted to eat. And I said to him afterwards, I think you should have just said as God wills. You know, what kind of breakfast would you like to eat as God wills? And whatever the chef wants to give you, then he delivers. I mean, the guy was exercising free will and the freedom to choose, but doctrinally he was saying, no, you can't choose, which I saw and I thought it was confusing. So we we found out last week that God has given to mankind uh, a freedom to choose. God has given you and I the ability to make choices, and God will let us uh, have whatever we choose. We found out that uh, that's one of the great 
qualities that distinguish us from the animal kingdom. You know, animals can't choose. Animals uh, live on instinct, but human beings have the ability to make choices. And whatever we choose, uh, God allows us to have it. Amen? And so God is sovereign. But sovereignty does not mean omni-control. Amen? Sovereignty means God is the highest authority and no one tells him what to do. And so the God who is the highest authority and who has no one telling him what to do has decided in his sovereignty to give mankind a freedom to choose. He has decided to give us free will. Uh, for reference, you can go and read last week's devotion. You can also uh, uh, go and listen to last week's teaching. And this week, we're moving right along uh, in the, on this journey to discover why do bad things happen to, pe- to good people. One of the things we also discovered last week was that we are in enemy territory. We are in a battle, and there is an onslaught attack against us as children of God and as human beings. And we found out that the enemy is the devil now satan has done a great job convincing the world that he doesn't exist and that he is not doing anything in the earth and it's sad to say he has convinced uh, uh, some of the church when i say the church i'm talking about the you know the corporate uh, corporate body of christ he has convinced some of the church that you know he, he doesn't exist and for some who believe he exists they just believe that he ex- is a, he exists enough to carry out what god tells him to do so they actually believe that satan and god are in partnership which is terrible because that's not what we see in scripture. What does the Bible say? First John chapter number 3 from verse 7 to 8. This is what it says. It says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, someone say for this purpose. Now we're getting ready to read the reason why Jesus came. He says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This verse shows us something very powerful. And it shows us this, that there are works in the earth classified as works of the devil. Did you see that? There are things happening in the earth that is classified as works of the devil to which the bible says jesus came to destroy or to reverse it's interesting when jesus came on the earth he came with a certain attitude and jesus attitude when he came to the earth was this that something has gone terribly wrong and i'm going to fix it and what had gone terribly wrong we know that you know adam had given the authority that god had given to mankind uh, to the devil and the devil was causing havoc and mankind could not have a functional relationship with god and so jesus came to fix all of that so that you and i could once again be reconciled to our heavenly father not only that but we could be recreated and become new creatures in christ And so Jesus came to fix something. Acts 10 verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So we know that sickness is an oppression from the devil. God does not use sickness to try and get your attention. God does not use sickness to try and teach his children things. Because some of that sickness is unto death. 
And man, when we are burying you, it leaves me to wonder. I wonder what he has learned. (laughs) What was the lesson in this? (laughs) That if you play with fire, you die. So what has he learned? And where are they going to apply it? I mean, it just defies logic. Kenneth Hagin used to call it ignorance gone to seed. Man, when ignorance goes to seed, it will alter the DNA. It will be generations of ignorance anyway. (laughs) So we know that the enemy has some things that he is doing in the earth right now. What does the Bible call him? Before we even read this, I want to assure you, brothers and sisters, that the devil is real. Amen. He's not a a fictional uh, comic book character that wears a red uh, suit and a pitchfork. You know, walking around and, you know, uh, uh, haunting people. No, the devil is a real uh, spiritual entity that tries to deceive people. The devil comes against you. The Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Uh, The devil, the Bible says he he looks around uh, seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to take you out. To which the Bible say you must resist him. You must submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. To which the Bible says he is a defeated foe. He is a defeated enemy who does not have any real power. The only power he has is the power to deceive. That's the only power the devil has is the power to deceive. To deceive is to make you feel like something is real when it's really not real. You know, when you get sick, it's the devil trying to deceive you that there is power in sickness more than there is power in what Jesus paid for at the cross. He comes with the power to deceive. So he's not going to come to you with a red suit and a pitchfork because then you spot him from afar and you will rebuke him. Sometimes he comes to you uh, in a a tall, dark, and handsome uh, brother with a six-pack and 21-inch biceps. <laughs> and a million uh, 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 rand uh, in their account. Driving a very nice car. <laughs> He's not going to come in a red suit and a pitchfork. Otherwise, uh, sometimes he comes in a short skirt at work. Confiding. I'm just confiding. No, it's the devil. Okay, moving right along. The Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. That's why I'm telling you these things. We are not ignorant of his devices. Listen to what the Bible calls him. First Peter 5.8 says he's a devouring lion. What does a devouring lion try to do? To eat you. He's trying to rip and tear you apart. The Bible calls him in John 10.12, he's a wolf. What do wolves do? They eat sheep, and we are the sheep of his pasture. In uh, Revelations 12, 9, it says he's a serpent. What do snakes do? They strike with poison. That's that's the devil. That's what he's trying to do against you and I. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 28, he says he comes as an enemy. What do enemies try to do? They try to defeat you. But here's the good news. We were singing about it. God turns everything that the enemy meant for evil and he will use it for good now if it's god who's doing the turning around then it also means it's not god who is doing the bringing of the evil otherwise it would be counterproductive hallelujah in john 10 verse 10 he calls him a thief 
who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to steal what's rightfully yours. What Jesus has paid for and he has rightfully given it to you. The enemy is trying to come and steal it from you to which you and I must learn to fight. You must learn how to fight. Uh, James chapter number 4, uh, verse 8, I believe. James chapter number 4, verse 8. James chapter number 4. Uh, let's go to verse 7. I think I... I, I verse 7. James 4, verse 7, if you don't mind. Oh, I'm looking for it. There it is. It says, therefore, do what? Submit to who? Notice it didn't say submit to sickness. It didn't say submit to uh, uh, life challenges. It says you must submit to who? To God. And to submit to God is to submit to the truth of his word. He says submit to God full stop. This is what else you must do after you have submitted yourself to God. Resist. Someone say resist. The word resist is a military term. That means to hold your line. If you've ever watched these movies, uh, what was that one? Gladiator and the other one, uh, uh, Freedom, uh, William, William, Braveheart. If you watch Braveheart, man, sometimes the enemy is coming. Man, y'all looking at me like, Bra- what, what, that movie, Pastor? <laughs> Braveheart, yeah. What was his name? William, who? William Wallace? But the guy, the real guy in the character, the yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 what was, William Wallace, yeah, William Wallace was all about freedom. And, and the one time he told his uh, uh, a crew to hold the line, just hold the line. See, the Bible says, having done all to what? Stand, all you need to do is to what? Stand, therefore, in the truth, just stand, in the, just stand on the fact that by his stripes I am healed. What's happening? The enemy is coming. The enemy, <laughs> but you stand. He's trying to deceive you. He's not a real enemy. He's a defeated for. Yeah. Amen. He was already defeated by Jesus. And sometimes all you have to do is stand. Amen. And as you stand, you will defeat him. He says, resist the devil. Hold your line. And when you resist the devil, what happens? He will flee from you. He's going to leave you alone. <laughs> I used to think this is, a, this is a fighting position. You know, when I was younger... I used to think, man, if there was ever war in our country, I'm just going to go to the shops and buy myself some uh, tomato sauce. And then I would spray it all over myself. Just spray tomato sauce. And then when the soldiers come, I'm just going to play dead. Just, just play dead. And then they're going to think, oh, this one is already dead. And they're going to walk past me. And then I would get up and run home. How many of you know that Jesus hasn't called you to be a coward? He says for you and I to fight the good fight of faith. And he has given us the weaponry by which we can fight back. Man, you need to learn how to talk back to circumstances. You need to learn how to talk to mountains and tell them, be moved. You need to learn how to talk to problems and say, you will not disrupt my life. Man, when the COVID thing started, man, I, I, I remember I got out of my house, started walking around in my garden. I mean, it was just fear. It, those days, COVID was still at the, at the front of the page. When it started last year in March, now COVID is somewhere in the newspaper, somewhere. I mean, people don't really care now. But when it started, it was at the front of the page where it was really pushing uh, darkness. And I remember going out of my house and I, and I started walking around and I said, COVID, let me announce something to you. You are not welcome here. You don't have to act crazy. 
I was just talking to it like the way I'm talking to you right now. You don't have to be spooky. You don't need no oil. You don't need no candle. No, no, no. Just, just talk to it. Just, just talk to it. Amen. I said, COVID, let me tell you something. You're not welcome here in this house. You're not welcome in my finances. You're not welcome in my body. You are not going to disrupt my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And that was my attitude. Fight back. If he tried to attack, I'm going to resist. I'm going to resist the devil. And this is what I believe. When I resist him, he will flee from me. And here's the good news is that COVID actually listened. It didn't come attack my body. It didn't come attack my finances. It didn't try to attack uh, any of the kids. You know, our kids are back in school. Whenever school is open, they're back in school. In fact, when we're driving to uh, come here this morning, Munes was like, man, I, I hate COVID. We were in the car, you remember? She said, I hate COVID-19. I said, why? She said, because I can't go on play dates. It's disrupting my life. I said, you know what, little girl? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You need to pray that COVID stops disrupting your play dates. You need to start praying that it stops disrupting your life. And she was like, man, I'm tired of wearing the mask. I said, that one, you're going to have to pray really hard. She said, I'm tired of wearing masks. So I'm telling you, man, the Bible has called us to resist the devil because we do really have an enemy. And Jesus has given us enough authority to resist him. Someone shout, I'm going to resist. In fact, don't say I'm going to. Someone shout, I resist, I resist. Any, disruption any disruption from any sickness, from any, sickness. From any uh, financial inconvenience. I rebuke you out of my life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, sometimes when your car is just breaking down, man, I sit in that car and I say, you know what? I think I'm tired. Sometimes you forget these principles. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Sometimes you forget these principles and you go into flow. Flow is not where God has called us to live from. God has called us to swim upstream. Flow is, you know, you're just going with the flow. Okay, yeah, you know, the thing needs a, 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 a jumper cables. Okay, I'm going to call someone. Man, until one day you wake up, you're like, wait a minute. I think I'm tired. Let me tell you something, car. No, you, you need to get tired. Or go with the flow. You know, uh, uh, salmon. They say salmon sweep, uh, swims upstream. You only see uh, salmon going downstream when it's dead. Salmon. Salmon. How do I say? No, it doesn't matter. I can eat. You put it in a plate, I'll eat it. Swims, swims upstream. Right? Unless it's dead, then you see it just going with the flow. Man, God hasn't called you to just go with the flow. God has called you to swim upstream, to go against, to break the the, the glass ceiling, so as it were, to break barriers. But sometimes when you're going upstream and you're getting ready to break barriers, things around you are going to start shaking because that's not the norm. As a gentleman called uh, Chuck Charles uh, Yeager, uh, he decided uh, way back in 1906 or something, he decided, you know what, or 1943, I may be mixing it up. He decided he was going to fly the plane uh, faster than the speed of sound. He was going to swim upstream. He was going to be the first one to do it. And so every time Charles would get in the plane and try to uh, uh, 
uh, break the sound barrier, the sonic barrier, so you can fly the thing at supersonic speeds. Every time you'd approach that thing, everything in the plane would start shaking and quaking. And sometimes that's what happens when you make a resolve to start walking by faith and not by sight. Until one day he got tired. We're talking about getting tired, right? He got tired. He said, man, I'm going to experience what's on the other side of the sonic boom. And he went in. When the thing started shaking, he pressed hard, pressed through. And he says there was a loud sonic boom when he went through. Boom. And now he was flying on the other side of uh, 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 the speed. He was now flying the jet faster than the speed of sound. And this is what he said. He said on the other side, things are way faster. That means you're going to get to your destination quicker, right? And the second thing is that it was as smooth as glass. Man, I'm telling you, when you press through in the promises of God, on the other side of the promises of God, that's where your victory is. That's where your peace is. That's where God is calling you and I. See, sometimes when you make a decision, I'm going to be a giver. Everything around you starts to demand your finances. That's when you need to press through. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Sometimes when you decide, man, I'm going to press through with this healing thing. I'm, gonna, I'm, really, I'm tired of sinuses. I'm really now going to stand on God's word. Man, you get some other sinuses that you've never seen before. You know why? Because he's trying to get you to pull back. And unfortunately, a lot of believers have been approaching the sonic uh, break, the sonic barrier and pull back. Just that glass ceiling. It's not a real barrier. It's just a glass barrier. Man, you need to press through and go to the other side. Amen? amen. I said amen. Luke 13 from verse uh, 10 to 16. This is Jesus. This is what he says. Remember, we have an enemy, right? Sickness is from the devil. Amen? And some of it, you know, just pain in your body. Some of it is, is from uh, careless use of your body, I might add. You know, sometimes you go... <laughs> Sometimes we're going to eat Popeyes. <laughs> Man, we ate Popeyes. I feel bad every time we eat Popeyes. Popeyes is fried chicken. And they use oil to fry it. Man, sometimes we eat Popeyes and, 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 and chips with a Coke at, for lunch. By about 2.30, man, you are so sleepy. You can't explain it. Well, I can explain it for you. You should have been eating vegetables for lunch. And the church said, Amen. I said that to Pastor Henry or you. I don't remember who it was. I said, Man, I've made a decision to, make to eat vegetables for lunch in uh, 2021 so I can, you know. He said, Oh, that's awesome because potatoes are vegetables. I said, I said, No, no, I meant salad. <laughs> He said, that's awesome, man. We're going to eat them chips. <laughs> anyway, watch what it says. It says, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. Crippled by what? Evil spirit. How many of you know that God is not the author of evil spirits? She had been crippled by a what? Evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are, not, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly, someone say instantly. Instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. Hallelujah. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. 
Can you imagine? I mean, he got angry because he was healed. All I want is just to be healed. There are six days of the week, he said. There are six days of the week for working. He said to the crowd, come on those days to be healed, not on Sabbath. But the Lord replied, man, I like Jesus. He said, let me talk to you for a minute. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites. Each of you work on Sabbath day. Don't you ante your ox and your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, see, they didn't even know, before I read verse 16, they didn't even know what Sabbath really was. How many of you know that Jesus was the sinless son of man? But he worked on Sabbath. You know why? Because Sabbath really wasn't about a day, even from the beginning. Sabbath has always been about relationship. And when God said to the children of Israel, I want you to take one day out of your week to rest, it wasn't about a day. Someone once came to me and says, which day is Sabbath? The day that Sabbath is, is Jesus. Sabbath is spelled J-E-S-U-S. It's not in a day. This is what the Lord said to him. He said all the other nations are being competitive in their own strength. They are working seven days uh, uh, a week. They are working, you know, for all the 52 weeks in a year. I mean, it's 24-7, 365 of work, work, work. But I want you, my people who have a relationship with me, to take one day off. And you are still going to outproduce those nations that are doing it in the flesh. Why? Because you have a relationship with me. Sabbath is when we find rest in Jesus. And the chiefs of the synagogues didn't even know that Sabbath is not a day. This is why scripture says in uh, Colossians 2, I believe verse 16. It says, do not let anyone judge you with regards to holidays and Sabbaths. Because uh, those were a type and a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Which means the true Sabbath is found in a person. And that person is Jesus. Not only did God ask them to take one day out of a week to rest. He also asked them to take one year out of seven years to make sure that he can prove to those heathens that they can still produce. And this is the promise he gave them. He said, in the sixth year, I'm going to give you a harvest enough to take care of you in the Sabbath year and also in the eighth year where you are now tilling your ground, getting ready to put seed in the ground. Just to prove to them that I am the Lord and I'm the one who takes care of you. So man, people will trip you up over a day. A lot of people are honoring a day and actually dishonoring what the day represents. Man, you can honor a day and disrespect Jesus. Because it's not in a day. And here, Jesus didn't break any law. He didn't break any commandments by healing someone on a Sabbath day. Otherwise, you'd have committed sin and you wouldn't be the perfect sacrifice, the spotless uh, uh, sacrifice, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. Jesus healed on a Sabbath, but he was still sinless. Hallelujah! And he says in verse 16, This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan. He calls sickness bondage by Satan. He didn't say this woman here has been going through a life lesson from the Lord. (laughs) To teach her something to use when she comes into ministry. (laughs) Man, people will make crazy decisions in their youth. 
And then one day when they're in ministry, they say, ah, the Lord actually is the one who made me do those things so that here, when now, when now I have a minister, I can minister to min- similar people. No, it wasn't the Lord. Back then, it was your hormones. That's what it was. Man, you came in here to hear the truth, right? Man, you washed, brushed your teeth, put some nice expensive cologne, and I know you didn't come to hear someone lie to you. This is the truth. Sickness is not coming from the Lord. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. The next question we want to answer as we close is, is there a set time ordained by God for a person to die? I've been to several places, several funerals, where they say, man, it was his time. I mean, the brother went and uh, 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 got himself uh, drunk at the pub, uh, drank his sorrows away, drank like a fish, and uh, he got into his automobile, better known as a car, and started driving that thing at 160 kilometers an hour, and uh, he couldn't control, I mean, his vision was impaired, he thought that there was something in front of him, when he slammed the brakes, the thing started spinning, rolled, threw him out of the car, because he wasn't wearing no seatbelt, and then the guy died, and then the pastor came to the funeral and said, well, there's nothing he could have done. This day was written in the book. Now let's find out if that's true. <laughs> Ephesians chapter number, Ecclesiastes, sorry, chapter number 3 from verse 1 to 2. This is what it says. In verse 1 to 2, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. Now, here's the truth, is that if you are a human being uh, here on the earth, these are facts of life. If you get born, you're also going to die. And I don't want you walking out of here saying, man, I went to that church. Man, I thought I'd found a church. I went to the day crazy. They were saying, the pastor got up, he said, we're not going to die. No, I didn't say that. But here's what the Bible is not saying. The Bible is not saying that God has ordained the day that you die. He says there is a time for you to die. Man, once you uh, get born, we are now running towards the finish line. Not the starting line, the finish line. And this is why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.16, you must redeem the time because the days are evil. Or life is short, so you must maximize on every opportunity. Man, every opportunity that, gets, uh, that life throws at you, man, you must maximize uh, uh, in it. Amen? This is why I don't have the word procrastination in my vocabulary. If something needs to be done, we're going to do it now. Right now? Let's do it now. So I don't understand people that say, man, I, you know, I was thinking I was going to do it next week. I'm thinking, man, next week you might have some other very important things come up that you need to do. You should always free up your tomorrow for the uh, uh, assignment that God is getting ready to bring your way by doing what needs to be done today. Nam must maximize. If you read it in a, a newer translation, it says maximize on the opportunities. Ephesians 5, 16. It says maximize on the opportunities because the days are evil. Amen? Make the most of the time that God gives you because we are running towards the finish line. Amen? If God tells you to jump, man, jump before he even finishes the sentence. Go for it. It's going to be awesome. I'll tell you that. Amen? And so there is a time, but not a predetermined 
a time. And here's the next question. Can, can you, by your own choices, shorten or prolong your lifespan on the earth? Or it's already predetermined? Let's find out what the Bible has to say. Ephesians chapter number 1, uh, chapter number 6 from verse 1 to 3. Ephesians chapter number 6 from verse 1 to 3. This is what it says. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Which means if you don't do what he just told you, it won't be well with you and you won't live long on the earth. Is that a, uh, an accurate assumption to make? Let's go and read another scripture. Proverbs chapter number 3 from verse 1 to 2. I'm reading this one in the New Living Translation. It says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Did you read that? Which means if you don't do this, you won't be able to live many years and your life won't be satisfying. When he says, store my commands in your heart, he's saying, store up my, my word. Be committed to my word. Amen? I said amen. amen. Let's go to Proverbs chapter number 10, verse 27. Proverbs chapter number 10, verse 27. Here's what it says. It says, the fear of the Lord lengthens one's life. Did you read that? It says the fear of the Lord lengthens one's life. Just that word lengthen, what does that connote? The word lengthen means to increase. Is that right? It means to extend. Is that right? So it, here he's saying when you honor the Lord, Fear, fear, yeah, he's not talking about fright, he's talking about reverential fear. He's saying when you honor the Lord, when you uh, uh, respect God, when you honor him and, and love on him, it's going to lengthen one's life. But here's the opposite. On the flip side, but the years of the wicked or one who does not honor uh, the Lord are cut short. Did you read that? The years of the wicked are cut short. Just that phrase, cut short, what does that imply? You know, if you uh, and your family go on a vacation and you came back and you said, man, I'm so sad our vacation was cut short. Just that phrase, what does it imply? It means uh, 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 you came back before full term, right? Yeah. And it means it was cut in half. Or you can say uh, the game, we didn't finish the game, it was cut short. It means we didn't finish all the 90 minutes. For those of you who watch football, soccer, it means you didn't finish the entire 90 minutes. And so here he's saying, when we don't honor the Lord, when we don't reverence him, we can literally take a scissors and cut our lives short and cut it in half. Now here's where it's sad. When someone has done this and they have cut their game in short and they tap out before halftime and the priest and the pastor come to uh, celebrate their life at the funeral and they say, oh no, it was the Lord. It was, no, it was the Lord. The Lord is the one. The Lord is the one who had already predetermined. There is nothing we could have done. It was the Lord. 
And I'm not saying everyone who dies uh, 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 young is because of this, but I'm saying there is an element of this sometimes, and we can't look at every situation and say, man, it's the Lord. It's the, one. the Lord is not the one doing the killing. Jesus said, I came that you might have what? Life and have it how? More abundantly. When the, earth, when the curse entered the earth, man, so many things happened. We live in a fallen world. There is opposition. Your body is going to tap out because it's not immortal. There's so many things that happen in the earth realm but these are also realities of the reason why people die and none of them is god that's what's awesome about our heavenly father none of them is god we have to make decisions uh, that help us uh, fulfill the assignment that God has given us uh, here on the earth. I was saying in the first service, you know, when a Prophet Joseph Z is an anointed uh, man of God, he came to visit here in South Africa uh, last year, 20, 2020, in January, and uh, he was ministering. I mean, back to back, Monday through Sunday, every night he was here uh, ministering. And so he had a, a free day, I think it was a Thursday. So we decided we were going to take them to uh, the Lion and Cheetah Park. And the elephant park. And so we took them to the Lion and Cheetah Park and we were reading on the catalog of the things that you can do there. You know, you can uh, go sightseeing and, and, and see the lions. You can drive in there and see the lions. You can see the cheetahs, the wild dogs, and so on and so forth. As you progress on the catalog, we go to a place where it says you can also walk with the lions. <laughs> now I said, I know, I, I, mm -mm. I want to play the entire 90 minutes. I said, no, I, no. Mm. I, said, I said to the guy, I said, you know, j just in case I, I might consider it, uh, uh, what kind of safety, uh, you know, measures do you have? And he said to me, uh, we're going to give you a white stick. If you've ever walked with lions, apparently you get a white stick. The lions are trained to know that anyone holding a white stick is not food. Boy. I was born in the night, but not last night. I said, you can give me a pistol. <laughs> and so Joseph Z and Jason, they were like, man, we're cool. We're going to go in there. I told them, I said, man, this is stuff. This is white people's stuff. I told them, I said, I said I'm from here, man. I, um, no, I'm not. Because here's the problem. Is that if the lions decide to eat me, it's going to be a hard message to take to my parents. We have a text, the message, man. Also, we, 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 you know, he was eaten by, he was eaten by a lion. How? He paid some money. <laughs> he paid some, he actually paid some. I mean, it's going to be confusing for my parents. So I told him, I said, man, this, this one, this is white people's stuff. You know, white people, y'all do think different, you know, from us. I've seen on National Geographic, you know, they, they will go. I mean, the white people say, man, python is so precious. The python is precious. They will go and, uh, you know, retrieve the python. You know, we've got to retrieve this python. They will go and take it and put it in a sack and, you know, uh, close the sack and put it in the same car that, you know, they're driving. The python in the same car that you're driving. And then they'll take it to a, a safe habitat, the new safe home for the python. And then they'll release it and they will come to, to the camera and they'll say, man, this is, so, this is the best day of our lives. Now the python can go and uh, lay some eggs and hatch and, and make other little snakes. Not where I come from. 
Man, I'm telling you where I come from, the python. <laughs> you find the python, the whole neighborhood is coming out <laughs> to take care of business. And for those of you anim animal lovers who are planning to write an email to the church, say, Pastor, dear, we are just obeying the Bible. That's what the Lord said to Adam. He says, I've put enmity between you and mankind to the serpent. You remember? It's a scripture. It's in the Bible. He says, now the serpent and man are going to be eternal enemies. And we are just obeying the Bible. Man, we will go find some stones, big ones. We will go find some stones and we will make sure that that thing is dead. Just in case there were some eggs in it, which might hatch. We'll also make sure that we burn it. <laughs> I mean, it's sad, but, you know, that's just what happens. Anyway, this is what the scripture is saying. And another scripture, Proverbs 19, verse 3, Good News Bible. This is what it says. It says, some people, someone say some people. This is what it says. It says, some people, Proverbs 19, verse 3. It says, some people will ruin uh, their own lives uh, with their own foolishness and then angry at the Lord. That's what it says there. In the Good News translation, it says some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. Man, we see it all over. Amen? People who make crazy decisions and then turn around and say, man, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. We are determined that this is the day that I'm supposed to pass on. This gentleman uh, 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 once came to our office. In fact, Richard brought the guy to our office uh, because, you know, he wanted us to talk to the guy and probably perhaps talk him out of uh, his lifestyle at the time. He was a big guy, bodybuilder, and he was taking all kinds of substances. And at the time, when he came to our office, I think one of his arteries in his eye had popped. So you could literally see like a blood clot in his eye. And so Pastor Henry and I, we're talking to the guy and we're trying to tell him, man, this is not the right way to live. And this is what he said to us at the office. He said to us, man, I like living this way. This is the life that I've chosen and I'm, I'll never stop. And the doctors, they tried to tell him, man, this is not the right way to live. And the guy decided, man, I'm going to continue. And he continued that way. And lo and behold, three, four months later, we found out that the guy had died at a, such a, a tender age of 33, found in his own apartment, eyes popped. And I mean, the guy's dead. Turn around and say, oh, it's just the Lord. No, it ain't the Lord. Amen. So... You can lengthen or shorten your days. There's some decisions that you can make that will lengthen or shorten your days. Amen. Quickly now, let's go to Hebrews chapter number 1 uh, from verse 3. Hebrews chapter number 1 from verse 3. Let's look now at God's true nature. Who is God? And what's God like? Amen. We want to take a, pic a look at uh, uh, the picture of God. In Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3, it says, Who being uh, the, talking about Jesus, it says, Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory, of God's glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In the NIV, this is what it says. It says, the Son, Jesus, S-O-N, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. The exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for the sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. 
Let me read the same verse in the New Living Translation. It says, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very... Someone say very. It says if you look at Jesus, Jesus expresses the very character of God. So if you want to know what God is like, you can look at Jesus and you will know exactly what God is like. Amen? Having said that, I have a question for you. At what point in Jesus' ministry does he use sickness to teach people a lesson? And he had a long time here on the earth to do it and express that side of God. If God really was the one who controls all the events uh, uh, to ultimately work out for some divine uh, purpose, which is supposed to be good. At what point does Jesus put leprosy on people? Say, okay, this one needs to learn a lesson. Boom, boom, leprosy. No, Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, he's going around healing everyone who is oppressed of the devil. And Jesus has several opportunities to do it. If that's truly the true nature of God, that God is looking for the bad ones. I know that's what they told you at your old church, that God, you know, is, is an angry. He's sitting in there, he's angry. You, ah, okay, yeah, he's going to get you. If that's true, how come Jesus didn't manifest that side of God, that characteristic of God? In fact, Jesus had several opportunities. If you read in John chapter number 4, he met this girl. I mean, this girl was crazy. She had about five husbands. And the sixth one that she had, which is confusing, the Bible says she had five husbands, and the sixth one she had was, wasn't even hers. That's what the Bible says. And she meets with Jesus at the well. You remember the story? Now, here is a perfect opportunity to strike her with something. If that's what God's true nature is, if God is sitting in heaven looking to get you, woo, you've, lady, you walked on the wrong path today. Right? You would expect Jesus to do something. And then it starts raining just on hair, like a shower. And then lightning. Right? You'd expect something. I mean, this woman is bad. She's been living a life terribly. You expect something like that if that's God's nature. But Jesus doesn't do that. Actually, he ministers grace and mercy to her. Because that's what God's true nature is. God's true nature, particularly for you and I, in the new dispensation, in the new covenant. You can't just read the whole Bible uh, through as if it's one covenant. It's two distinct covenants. You and I belong to a better covenant established on better promises. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But covenants change. And you need to understand the covenant you belong to for you to be able to function and be victorious. Man, a lot of people are still in the old covenant. They're still confused. And some of them just mix it all up. And when I talk to pastors and I say to them, man, we're in the new covenant. We're in the new testament. You need to understand that God relates to us based on what happened after the cross. They say to me, no, Tafari, you don't understand. I do the whole Bible. The whole Bible. I don't want to. You're saying new covenant. No, I do it from Genesis to Revelation. And then I turn around and I ask them, when was the last time you took a fattened ram to the pastor? So they could offer it 
as a burnt sacrifice for your sins. And they say, oh, no, 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 I don't do that one. I say, oh, no, it's in the Bible, chief. <laughs> and they say, oh, no, no, I don't do that one because, you know, things have since changed. See, things have since changed when? When Jesus went to the cross. Now we don't need to bring animal sacrifices and things of that nature because we are in a completely different covenant. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Someone shout, I am redeemed from the enemy and from all of his authority and all of his power. Sickness is from Satan and it has no dominion over my body, over my family. My life is secure in Jesus. I rest in his finished work. I rest in his promises. I rest in everything that he has already paid for. That is my Sabbath. I live a lifestyle of rest. I'm a Sabbath man. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the next time someone tries to uh, uh, tell you you don't honor the Sabbath, tell the man I, I, I honor the Sabbath. Tell the man I love the Sabbath and I honor it and I, that's why I do it every day. I rest in Jesus every single day. I rest in Him, in His strength, in His power, in His promises every single day. I don't try to do it in my own strength. I rest in Him. And I cooperate with what he's what, what he already paid for uh, for me. And I'm telling you, man, that's where we ought to be. We want to pray and close. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we just thank you even for this doctrinal compass that help us uh, realize and understand your true nature, who you really are. Our heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally. Our heavenly Father who laid down his one and only begotten Son, Jesus, to come and reverse what the enemy had done. Our Heavenly Father who provides for us. Our Heavenly Father who cares for us and was uh, 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 intentional and uh, uh, mindful about us. Lord, we thank you that if you know the very number of hair on our head, that's the level that you care for us. That's the level you pay attention uh, uh, to us and to our needs. Lord, we thank you that by that, we will rest in the knowledge and in the truth and in the promise that you will provide all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, we just thank you. We declare every single person under the sound of my voice and those watching online that they are safe in you. That a thousand will fall at their side and ten thousand at their right hand side, but it will not come near them. That no plague shall come near their dwelling. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you that these are the ones that walk in the light. These are the ones that walk in your promises. When there was darkness in Egypt, we know that there was light in Goshen. When there was confusion in Egypt, we know that there was peace and direction in Goshen. And these are those who live in Goshen. These are those who rest in Goshen and walk their steps in the land of peace and prosperity. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen.
and amen and amen and amen. Praise God. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.